cannot express the joy that I have to be able to stand here. I got to see a lot of you a couple of weeks ago at Mr. Loris Williams' funeral. I'll get to see a couple of y'all next weekend at Tara's wedding, which we're looking forward to that time. And so it's kind of weird how six years goes pretty quick. And I got to watch some of the service last week to see Dustin ordained. And pride's not the word I'm supposed to use, but doggone, that's pretty good. To see how far we've come and to see what God is doing in a place that we love so very much. We do miss you. We love you. You cannot know how much good it does to be able to hear from you and to be able to hear a word just to say, hey, we we're just, just a moment or a text or even in the case of when Keith and Alan decide to text me in the middle of the Auburn game and we complain together. So it's always great to be able to do that and to hear from folks. But uh, if <laughs> The past year and a half, we've all been through it together even though we haven't been together. Strange is not the right word. Concerning, confused, angry, worried. We can all use these words together because they're right even though it's not always right our response. We have the opportunity in the world in which we live today in amidst a time where everybody is so wanting things to go back to normal, to understand that normal is no more. We have the opportunity in a world in which we live to do exactly as I try to remember and say to my children every day, shine today, go be light, because I promise you light always wins. But the only thing we see often is the darkness. And we wonder whether it be politics or the world or the things that are out there that we know that we have absolutely no control of is how is this going to get any better. Well, I have the formula for you this morning. I have it strict, straight from the place where God developed it himself through one of his choice servants. The psalmist writes these words in Psalm 8. It says, consider the Lord. Psalm 8 reads this way, and I just made my mind up to read it now as I was going to do it a little different way, but I'll give you the chance to go there if you have your copy of God's Word to be able to read the entirety of what David wrote in the times when he, as he came before God, and he had a moment where he just considered the Lord. The psalmist writes in Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen. Even the beasts of the fields. The birds of the air. And the fish of the sea. That pass through the paths of the sea. And then he concludes these words of praise. By saying. O Lord how Lord. Our Lord how excellent is your name. 
in all the earth. When I consider the Lord, it's something that I hope and pray that you've prepared to do this morning. It's something that I hope every person is doing no matter what church service they attend today because it's something that is we should all be doing. It's a thought process. It's how we use our minds, our eyes even, and enter into a position of knowing and recognizing where God is in all situations, even in situations where we can't see him. Considering God is a concept that is throughout God's word. It is done not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. Samuel writes in Samuel 12, 24, as he was instructing new King Saul, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. In the book of 1 Chronicles, David is instructing his young son Solomon as he's about to become king. He says to him, consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. So be strong and do it. In the book of Job, as one of Job's friends was instructing and correcting him, he said, listen to this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. In the book of Ecclesiastes, as Solomon has now become the wisest man who has ever lived, he would say these words, Consider the work of God, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? What a great, great statement. And in the book of Luke, where the Lord Jesus himself tells his disciples, he says, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, for they have neither storehouse nor barns, but yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And the Apostle Paul, he tells us what we should do as we remember God's goodness. He says, therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fell, severity, but towards you, goodness. If you continue his goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. And then he says also to young Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Considering God is a concept that we should all be doing. We should always be doing it. As you and I have come here this morning, it's something that can be done in a lot of ways. It's something that is we, and I'm going to talk about it in a little bit. If you can go outside today and you can see this brilliant sunshine and the, what God has put us on this earth exactly where we should be so that we don't freeze to death and that we don't burn up. We, we can look up and see a blue sky, but yet there's sometimes we can see the moon. We can see the stars if we look at it. We can see so many things and we consider how God did all that. But then we can look down at the face of a newborn child and they do something that totally takes your breath away. I looked just a minute ago and I watched all these children who were babies here, a lot of them whenever I left, and none of them remember me, but I remember you. So don't, never mind, we'll just leave that one where it's at. <laughs> something that we should do whenever we see a true miracle. Not something that some sportcaster has come up with with clear words and something that makes it where he sounds really good. No, something that you know should not happen but then suddenly happens. And we've all experienced and considered God over the past year and a half when someone comes through when they have no business coming through or God doing something that he has really, it looks beyond our understanding and our comprehension to notice these things in life and even the little things that we can notice to consider God and to take a step back and to notice that he is not only in everything, but he is everywhere and his hands are always present. As you know, most of you know, I now have a almost 20-year-old whose name is Jamie who will be a graduate 
from the University of Mobile next year. I have a 17-year-old daughter in two weeks named Alex, who the other day decided, well, she didn't decide to, but she won the prize for killing the largest deer in our family by hitting it caught with a car. So there's now a 10-point on the wall, and it says Alex Peters slapped right there. No, that's not true. But And then we have the boy, 12-year-old Trey, who's made the high school basketball team, but he broke his foot. Well, he got a growth in his growth. And so you cannot know the, the angst that you see on your son's face knowing that he is dying to play. And then the moment that he finally gets in to play, he's standing there going, now what do I do, you know? And you watch God through all this and knowing that whenever they come back in here, you talk about it from the perspective they're so big and they're so grown. And the answer is, yes, they are. But you've watched God do so many things because I walk in here and I watch your three go across there and I went, oh, my stars. Of course, they're all taller than me now, so it doesn't really make any difference, you know. So at least that one is. <laughs> you you awe and awe and wonder of what God has done and the blessings that he has put upon us. And you take a second and you realize that our God did that. Our God whom we serve, who we know as the psalmist wrote in Psalm 46, David said, come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations on the earth. He breaks the bow, he cuts the spear in two, but then if you are still and you know, you can recognize him wherever you are. And we need some of that today. We need to consider the Lord. We've been going through a series of messages at my church, and it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. And it was just never the timing, but this is part of a series of messages that is done as a part of the Hymns of the Faith series. As a singing preacher, which you taught me to be, not that you were, weren't already, but you know what? I'm just going to say this. You know how mad it makes me whenever I do the same things that you do, and then I repeat it out loud? You know how often this happens? Now, I don't every week say, I can, I'm so saved, I can swing over hell on a rotten corn stall, spit in the devil's face and sing victory in Jesus, even though I've said it. But I sing the hymns of the faith, not because you taught me to, but because I love them. And I hear these new songs, and look, this is not a message about styles, because we can have a big, long argument about that, and we're both wrong. Because it's about praising the Lord. To understand that I promise you there's going to be all kinds of music in heaven. And that's a totally another message for another day. So those of y'all that look up there and say, why don't they sing victory in Jesus? Maybe next week they will. So be here to find out. But there was a man who in Sweden, his name was Carl Gustav Boberg. And he was walking through on a day where it was storming and it was raining. And he experienced something and the moment of that and the, all the storm that God, it suddenly went from flashing lightning to suddenly clear, brilliant sun. And soon afterwards, he heard the calm, sweet songs of birds in nearby trees. And this experience, it prompted him to fall to his knees. And he began to write out in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in stanza form, in a song, these words. O stor gud nan yag den bard. Beskarder, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder. When we consider the Lord, 
The only thing that will come out of us are these words. Oh, Lord, my God, when I, an awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hand have made. I see the stars. I hear awesome wonder. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe display. I'm going to ask you this morning to join me in considering the Lord. And you do that wherever you are. The psalmist says, first of all, you do it when you look up. First one says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in the earth, who has set your glory above the heavens. Verse 3 says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. When you and I consider all that he has made, it is really hard to do anything else other than consider and be in awe and wonder at what he's done. That's because if you live where I live, you can walk outside on a clear night like tonight. And you can see up to 5,000 stars just in one space. I live away from the city. In Daleville, there are about 5,000 people. And I have a little field behind my house that I can go out there and I can stand in awe and I can wonder and I look at it. And if I have a little bit bigger of a telescope, then I can see ultimately up to a million stars if I look at it properly. But if you go over here to where you can go to a, to a, to a big telescope, to maybe the planetarium or something, it is said that you can look up with a two-inch mirror telescope in an observatory and see over a billion stars. The universe is so big that if we were to travel at the speed of light from one end of what we can see to the other end of what we can see, it would take 40 billion years. And God did all of that for his glory. He did it all just in awe and wonder because this is the only place where we, his greatest creation, could be. And he put us, this us, in this little cul-de-sac, in this little thing called the Milky Way, which is bigger and more expansive than we can honestly believe. And when he considered that, it's something when he looked up, it just took his breath away. Looking up is something that is so simple. It is something that we should take time and do. And these great heavenly objects, and I didn't even mention the sun, I didn't even mention the, the moon, I didn't mention the clouds, I didn't mention the other things we can see, but it is something that we can look at and understand and know that from the very beginning of time, as the psalmist put it, it's something that he created. But I want you to understand something. Our God's so big, he didn't have to create it. Because understanding what God did, God didn't form anything. He spoke it into existence. From the very beginning of Genesis 1, the Bible tells us, then God said, let there be light. Then God said, the firmaments, let there be the firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Then God said, let the waters go into the heavens, and be gathered there into place, and let the dry land appear. At no point in Genesis 1, except for one spot, does it say that God had to make anything, because by the word of the Lord, as the psalmist puts in Psalm 33, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host of his breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the seas into jars. He puts the deep in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stirred firm. And when you take a second tonight, wherever you are, take a second and look up and consider just how great and awesome your God truly is. Because you're going to take a look out there in, in this world and you're going to wonder. God, where are you in all this mess? And maybe you'll even take a second like a lot of folks will do, and they have blamed him. Folks, ever since Genesis chapter 3, the only person to blame is us. 
We're the problem. And we, we are living in a world today where we like to blame everybody else. That's why Joshua, whenever he made the declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, that's something that I have to do as a father. That's something I have to do as a pastor. That's something I have to do as a man. You want to know why? Because I'm made in his image, and he, in doing so, he put me in a place to have a heart and a mind for him. So when I consider him and I look up, that's exactly what is done. And when you do it, then you will realize, you know what, God, I'm sorry for what I've done, but I'm going to try to do right, right, right where I am. We need more of that in this world, and we know it, but the truth of the matter is, is we have found our place in such a world and such a time where we want to blame somebody for this mess. Well, the truth of the matter is, is we got nobody to blame other than the fact is, is here we are. Sometimes you may just have to deal with it. So how do you deal with it? Maybe it's time to look up. Number two, not only when you look up, but when you look down. Verse 2 says, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. David shifts his eyes from looking up into the vastness of the sky and to looking down at the beauty and the strength and the frailty of a child. I already mentioned my three children, and I got to thinking about this when God gave me the privilege of writing this message, I got to thinking back at the time when Jamie was here. Now, that was right before I came to be the youth minister here. That was 2002. Some of y'all are sitting there thinking, like, Tristan, he's over there. 2002, what's that? It was a year. It was back in, never mind. Let's just go ahead. When I became a father for the first time, I certainly considered the Lord. I did that every single time that I had a child. We had a child. And God has truly blessed me. I realize he's done that in spite of me. And I say that sometimes to be funny, but not today. Because I have truly a blessing of three wonderful children. And a wife that I don't deserve. But if I start talking about what I'm going to deserve, then that's a whole other message, isn't it? See, Jamie was a little different approached because I had to consider God real quick in a hurry like when Jamie got here. I don't talk about this story much because when Jamie got here, I was the first one to hold her. It's because there was a problem. Jamie, when she came out to be with us, she was as white as the paper because the umbilical cord was trapped around her neck. And for about two hours, Benita got to hold her a very brief second. And then they took me and they got her and they took me into a room and they took Jamie from me. They said, Mr. Peters, we need to make you aware of what's happening. And they began to tell me that if her levels didn't come up and her oxygen didn't get improved, then they were going to have to take her to Birmingham. They were going to have to do something for her to try to get better. And the only person that knew that was me. I had to consider God right quick in a hurry like because this was out of my hands. I'm a very hands-on person. I'm very much so in control when it comes to a lot of these things in life. And as a pastor of a church, there's things that you want to be in control of, and there's some things you have absolutely no control of. Perhaps it's whatever's happening at my church right now. I have no idea. <laughs> and I say that jokingly, but I have a youth minister that's going to do a great job preaching. Our young people are leading the music today. 
So if something happens, I'll know in just a little bit. <laughs> but I am, it's, it's out of the control of what I can do. But this is one of those moments it was completely out of my control. I had nothing that I could do other than turn to God. And what I can understand is then that for two hours as I sat there and I wondered and I worried and I concerned about it, I didn't know what to do. I didn't understand how something so small, so fragile, so helpless could overcome this. And what I understood and now from reading this and what God gave me is from this is God displayed his strength through it. Our God in this, according to this passage of Scripture, took her weakness and displayed his wonder through her. And it's for a purpose much bigger than I ever realized. Because the reason why God displays his strength in unlikely vessels is because it works to silence the enemy. See, Satan thinks he's in control. But Satan can't do jack because God, he has to still go to God. You think back to the part, the, to this understanding of Job. Everything that Job went through, losing his house, losing his family, losing his possessions, he didn't have any of it until God said, have you considered my servant Job? God put Job up for this. God put Job out there. And every single thing that could have been done because his friends blamed him, his wife blamed him, said, why don't you just curse him and die? Everything was put into position to say, why don't you just turn against God? But God, Job said, can I have good and bad and the same? He said, no. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Understanding we're going to go through all of it. And through his strength was shown in this tiny little moment. This thing where Jamie coming through it. And Satan wanted to try to bring me down. But God reminded me that life comes through God himself. And the simple fact that if it was only for those few minutes. God did that. Job through all he went through. God silenced the accusations of Satan against both God and Job. By the way he sustained Job and his unseen hand in the midst of profound weakness. And you want to bathe in the wonder and the awe of our great God, you walk by a nursery. You take a second and you just look. And you just look down at what God has done. And you be reminded in awe and wonder that God is the one who controls life. God is the one who gives this. And the Lord Jesus himself, he is the one who came to not just give us life, but life more abundant. And even if you have lost a child, which many of us in this room have, you have come to a place to know that in that little moment where you and I can look down, we can see the face of God because that leads into this third point. Because whether you are looking up or whether you are looking down, you will understand and know just how great thou art. Because the third way we do is when we look in. Verse 4 says, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. Considering the greatness of the heavens also made David consider the relative smallness and insignificance of man. And David wondered why such a big great God would be mindful of such small, infinite creatures. Well, he formed us in his image. That's why. Do you understand that we're the only thing God made? And don't get confused now. He didn't make you from the standpoint of, but he made Adam from the dust of the ground. He made Eve from Adam. He formed us with his hands. He took time with us. He made us in his image. So he must think an awful lot of us to do that. 
I heard that man say several times that I'm his favorite. You're his favorite. You know that? He took time with you. Some of y'all, I wish God would have taken a little more time. But for me, he took all the time he needed. Says, man, I'm a good-looking man. <laughs> and understanding and knowing that, the world teaches us today, though, that we're to think more of ourselves and look out for number one and do all these things to prop ourselves up. But the God teaches us that we're to look out for one another. We're to help one another. We're to be to a place to know and love one another and build one another up. But know, know this, that our bigness of this God, when we look, up and this insignificance of when we look down, but we can look inside and see him right inside of us. See, the Lord Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to be with us. And when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, he comes and he lives, as we tell them, inside my heart. So you always, as a child of God, as a as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, if you identify with that, you always can look inside and know that he's there. And if you look inside today and you don't see him, well, guess what? Before you leave the service today, you'll have the opportunity to. So that way, whatever you're looking for in this world, you consider God in all things because in the world, they like to look out. And what we have done, we have become this world of people that we want so badly for, like, people to love us and people to like us and people to get into a place they recognize but we become God acknowledgers in this world we've got a lot of God acknowledgers around the south you've got no one around you that does not believe in Jesus or does not believe in God or does not at least identify with the church even though they hadn't been seen there in a long long time and the thing is, as you start having a conversation about God, they're going to know all about God. They're going to know all these different things about it. But there's nothing about their life that reflects it until they have to look within. Because there's going to be a moment that's going to come. And we have experienced it over the past. You just talked about it today, the amount of funerals you've done. Look, there is no, you win when it comes, I'm not comparing it. But in the six years I've been at Delville, I've done over 70 funerals. This is a town of 5,000. Now, I can explain that a lot of ways, but what I know is this, and it's just where we are, this isn't a race thing, there is a black church and a white church, and I don't mean that because we invite all people in there, but a lot of times, if it's an African-American person, they do the funeral, if it's a white person, I do that, I mean, it's the way it is, now, there's a Methodist church, but we're the two bigger ones, I hope that makes sense, what I'm trying to tell you. And so I get identified and go see, I've done funerals for about 40, 45 people, the people I've never even met. So how do you do that? Because there's a message that has to be proclaimed no matter where you are and no matter what you're doing. And the truth of the matter is, is no matter what you are and what you're doing, the, the world in which we live, there's all these people that are going to hear it and understand it, but they've got to understand and know that it's more than just knowing what it is up here. Because you've heard me say it before. You're always about 18 inches from being right with Jesus. Because it's not about what you know here. It's about what you know here. And as you look inside, question is, is what do you see? See, when he looked inside, he said, he considered God. He said, what is man that you think of him? Well, he considered enough for him to come to us. He came to us because we couldn't get to him. So he must consider us a lot because he says he made us a little lower than the angels. 
That means he puts us in a place of honor and glory. And he considers the fact that God loves us so much that he is mindful of us. So I want you to know something today. Not only is he your favorite, he loves you and he is mindful of you and he wants you to be mindful of him. So today, whenever you consider God in whatever way God gets you to consider him, maybe it just takes a moment. Maybe it's just taking looking up. Or maybe it takes looking down. Or maybe it takes looking in. Or maybe it's when I look out. He finishes this psalm by saying, You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All the oxen and the sheep and even the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass over the paths of the sea. Then he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. When I did this particular message at Delville, I had a picture of a man that was standing out, looking out over high-rise, and he was looking out a window. And he's looking out, and he's looking out at the world that's just going by and buzzing by, and we're about to walk into that season of go, go, go. We're not already there. Those that work in retail in the room, I'll give you all a little tidbit. You're already go, go, go. And you wish it would stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you look out into this world, and sometimes all we see is what we've been looking at for the past year and a half. We've been looking at the negative, the awful, the dark, the bleak. And if you turn on the television to try to get some help, that sure don't help. Try to look to somewhere to some try to find something and we try to find some help somewhere, and we're looking out there to try to find something, and you look out there in this world, and the thing is, is we've had to stop for a little while. And then they tell us, well, we got to keep stopping. And then we're trying to go again, and the truth of the matter is, is how are, we going, how are you going to grow a church if we don't go? And we all are in the same boat we are. We're trying to make these decisions on trying to help it make it right. And what I know is whenever I look out, I see people everywhere that are lo totally lost. And we're looking out there trying to find some help somewhere. And we're trying to make them, maybe you can give me something. Just give me something to hold on to. When the problem is when we look out there, we don't see what Jesus sees. Because he saw people that he loved. No matter where they were. No matter what they looked like. No matter where they had been. No matter where they had done. He loved them right where they were. And here's the best thing about Jesus. He never stopped. You live in a place that I grew to love, which is Montgomery. Or at least the surrounding area. And I still try to watch WSFA. And I still try to follow on the things that are here. And to try to find out. And I see the same thing you do. And I know there's concern. Because the only thing you're going to get a report of is the shootings. Or the crime. Or the robbery. And the only thing they're going to put out there is so they can get people to watch. So know that. The same thing happens in Dothan or Enterprise or Ozark or Daleville. But we still have to look out. Because at some point or another, those people are going to possibly, even probably, walk in to your presence. Because for me... I'm Brother Jim Peters wherever I go. I'm the pastor of the Daleville Baptist Church. I'm husband of Benita, father of Jamie, Alex, and Trey. I am that person 
that people expect me to be. I am expected to be light. I am expected to be the person that whenever I walk out, I'm the same person inside and out because I am a man of God. Well, that's the difference between you and me other than I got brother in front of my name. Because if you have Jesus in you, if you have looked up and understood that what he did for you on the cross I needed, and then you looked inside and you've asked Christ to come in your heart, and then you look in, you, you look down and you can understand and know that everything that you can see, and you can look it out and you can find something somewhere to be able to help have a moment, to be able to show somebody to consider the Lord, then if you do it in that moment, in that moment you just take everything that you have and you just let them know that God loves you and he has a plan for your life, then they will say, how great thou art. Because isn't that the point in the first place? See, we're a people that sometimes say we need to, they need to get what they deserve. Folks, I hope we never get what we deserve. Because if we got what we deserve, there would be no chance. But because we have a God who loves us, and if you would take just a minute to consider him, then you will not only sing it, but it will be your life song. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Look up. Look down. Look in. Look out. When you do, consider the Lord. And I promise you, you will proclaim how great thou art. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, as we bow before you today, on this most beautiful of days in November, maybe folks were coming to church as normal. Maybe they were thinking it's a normal Sunday. But what I know is this. Today is a great day to be saved. There may be folks in this room that were hurting. They didn't know where else to turn. They didn't know what else to do. And maybe they need to take a second and either look up or look down. Look in or look out. And if they do then they'll quit looking at all the junk in the world. They'll quit looking at what all the world tells them to see. Negative. It's not going to get any better. 
There's the no way that this can get right. And looking for all the ways that the world tells us to turn away from you because you don't exist. But Lord, you remind us that you're not only in all things, but you created all things. We can look anywhere and everywhere and find you. And so, Lord, today somebody needs to know that you love them. They need to know what you did for them. They need to know that they can look anywhere and everywhere. Their eyes don't even have to be real good because we can sense and know your presence. Sometimes when we're still and sometimes when we're going as fast as we can. So, Lord, whatever the need is, my prayer is that you reveal yourself. And we can do something as simply as looking and see just how great thou art. For that lost soul in this room today that needs Jesus, give them the courage today to walk forward and say, I've been looking all over the place, but I can't find him. So help me, Brother Rick, help me, whomever, to be able to show me Jesus because I know I need him. Or maybe we're like a lot of people and we've been wandering around and we're sitting in the middle of a pig pen wondering if this is going to get any better. Maybe we need to do like the prodigal did and he came to himself. He looked up and he went home. Maybe, Lord, it's just that simple. As you take one, that first step and then, Lord, you take the rest of them for us and we find ourselves then at the foot of the cross where you can do everything for us that you wanted to. Salvation, life and life more abundant, and then hope and peace and joy in a world that doesn't have it. Thank you, Lord, for your greatness. And Lord, may today this invitation behind be what you want it to be because of just how great thou art. It is in Jesus' name I pray all these things.